Hi, this is David Pryor. Welcome to Drunken PM Radio. It's the middle of World Cup. It's almost the 4th of July, and I'm very excited because this is an interview that I've been looking forward to, and I'm partway through the book, and I'm really excited for you all to hear about it. So I would like to thank Audrey, Tara Sahoda, and Michael Sahoda for taking time out of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And happy almost 4th of July. Yes, almost the 4th of July. But you guys, and where are you right now? Where Where in the world are you? We're in Toronto. Okay, so you're not actually celebrating the 4th of July. States, so I'm missing my 4th of July celebration. All right. Well, if you can join on ESPN tomorrow at noon and watch the hot dog contest at least, so you get that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So the reason that we're talking today is because you've put together a book called Emotional Science, The Key to Unlocking High Performance. And I want to ask you all about the book, and I have tons of questions and about how it ties back to Agile. But before we get into that, um, could you both explain kind of how you came together and where you're coming from and why you put this book together in the first place? Well, there's a lot of questions. I figure if I throw a whole bunch of questions at once, then one of them will work. Well, (laughs) so I'd say the starting place is where our our shared life purpose is to make the world a better place, not in a fluffy bunny way, but in a very practical way to create organizations that thrive, to create places where people want to come to work, to create amazing products. So that's that's our why. And our sense of doing that is is by shifting how people are showing up worldwide, what we call shifting the mindset, shifting the consciousness of really fully embodying, let's say in the agile world, we'll talk about as the agile mindset of a, of a very human, real um, way of working where people are able to be flexible, respond to change, adapt, um, celebrate others to create leaders around them. And, you know, just which goes far beyond just collaboration, but to, to really create um, just amazingness. Okay. And how did the two of you meet? We okay. Well, it's a longer story. I, I think I know it's a long story, but we can't leave this part out because it's like a superhero origin story. Like I want to include this in the interview. Okay, so yeah. I'll, we'll start. We'll start at the very beginning, and um, I actually um, met Michael. We were on uh, Zoom calls once a month, um, studying with uh, people or a, a school of consciousness in India. So I had been going to the school for about I don't know, four, four years, something like that, and Michael almost about the same amount of time. So a lot of personal growth and development at this school. And um, we would actually study in India and then come home, and we would have these Zoom calls, and Michael would always be on the call, and I'd be looking at him, and he would always be asking for somebody to coach him someone on the in the class that had gone through the same personal growth speak the same language um and just and help him help coach him through some of his leadership blocks i guess that's what it that yeah you were show more for. as the leader that i wanted to be instead of the you know not as much leader that right. I was showing up as and okay. so he would he would request all these qualifications and i would always check them off oh i can do that i can totally coach him and then I would say, but he's uncoachable. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way. Um, yeah, I just, um, yeah, there was something inside of me that was just like, no, I couldn't work with him. And then we actually ended up meeting in person um, a, a few months later um, in India. And we connected just on a personal level. 
And I had this crazy idea. I come from a background of energetic healing, which is very psychology-based, consciousness, mindset, shifting in order to heal your body. Um, there's a lot of psychology behind it. And I had this crazy idea that I thought that if we could change the way people worked in organizations and we can shift the consciousness of the leadership, we can change the, the culture and the environment in the organization, which then would lead to healthy people, which would then lead to healthy families and healthy society. And I had this crazy idea and I told Michael one day, and he's like, oh, that sounds really interesting and walked away. And I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then we tried to figure out how we were going to be together. When I lived in California, he lived in Toronto. And he said, why don't you come coach me? And I was like, oh, I could do that. I've known for like nine months that I could coach Michael Sahota. So um, I said, sure. And I came to his first certified agile leadership class. And by the second day, I was sitting in the brain of Michael Sahota with all the post notes and the, the posters on the walls and the flip, the hand drawn flip charts. And um, I said, wow, I'm in my life purpose. This is really what I want to do. And I didn't know that there was a community such as agile that was really focused on shifting consciousness and mindset and um, engagement and treating people kindly. And I saw a whole entire health benefit that was in congruence with everything that I was already doing. So, wow. That's awesome. Michael, do you want to add anything? To, uh, can you add anything? To that? <laughs> That's... Uh, what was the question? <laughs> well, I guess, so let me ask a follow-up question. Maybe, maybe that'll help with it. Um, one of the things that's really interesting to me is that you're both coming at this from a, a kind of a source place of personal growth and personal kind of awareness and, and deepening your understanding of self so that you can be there more for other people. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll explain the math on this or the science or the, the, the hard data, right? I mean, a lot of us in the field, like this technical field, we've gone to this because we're better talking to machines than we are talking to people. Um, and that, you know, and, and so like the thing is, like, what does it actually take to create success? Well, it turns out that if we treat people well, they, they perform well. Just very basic math, right? I mean, they're, they're, we could point to like, like so much research that supports this, like from the Google's um, Project Aristotle or engagement surveys. But basically, you just treat people well, they'll perform well. That's kind of the basic math. And it turns out because of our conditioning by the families we grew up in, by society, by our education system, by business as usual, we're actually um, encouraged to operate in ways and we're conditioned to operate in ways, our patterns, our habits are to operate in ways that are not aligned with treating people well. And so, well, then the question is, well, how do we actually get to a place where we're actually, like, not just occasionally treating them well, but, like, on a consistent, reliable, repeatable basis, treating people well so that they perform, all the people around us, right, in our personal life and our personal life. Well, how do we actually make that shift? Well, that's a mindset shift. That's a behavioral shift. That requires inner work. Right. And if we think about what does it take to build a high performance organization, leaders who show up in this way, that treat people well, that build leaders around them, 
That's how we get to high performance organizations. So the, the math on this is very, very simple. The research on this is just blindingly obvious. The challenge for people is that to say, well, it's kind of a good news, bad news scenario. The bad news is you're the problem. All the challenges you're seeing around you, pretty much you're the problem, you're the causing them. The good news is because you're causing them, you can actually change your behavior. You can shift your habits and stop being the problem and actually get the results you want. And you don't need any authority, you don't need any budget, you don't need any approvals. That's what's totally extraordinary about the, you know, the people who are, are connected with this, this teaching we have in the world is that they're able to unlock incredible success. But you do need a fair bit of courage, though. Courage, self-kindness, willingness to examine oneself. I don't think it's courage as much as it's a desire to be extraordinary <clears throat> and have results. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. People who run marathons, they run marathons, they run through the pain, they put in the time for training, and they run marathons because they want to. This, the, what we're talking about is not for people who want 10% success, who want 20% success. We're talking for people who want 2x, 3x, 5x, 10x success. Yeah. The best of the best. The best of the best. If people really want to get the results they want to create in the world, it's for those people, the people who want to be the change in the world, the people who want to have extraordinary outcomes, the people who really want to get results. Not just say they want results, but actually put effort into getting results. So it's for people who are ready to put effort in. Yeah. I, I was talking with a friend of mine recently about some life-related stuff and and he was kind of questioning how much energy was going into the resistance that was required to maintain the dysfunction as opposed to letting go because it is i mean it takes a lot of energy for a person or a company to maintain dysfunction isn't that amazing sometimes i look at my own self and i i i'm like oh my god i'm in so much resistance right now yeah on the other side of that is like peace and wellness, not, not to be fluffy bunny, but it's like, I can live such a better life in this, in this situation or this environment. And I'm resistant to my own happiness. That doesn't even make sense wow. when I look at yeah, it. Yeah. Or even, or even something you even picked up a few days ago is that we're resistant to growing. Yeah. We well, actually are not interested in growing and developing as human beings. Even though we say we want to grow, we spend money on trainings and courses, the truth of the matter is we have so much internal resistance to even growing that when we start clearing away the blocks around growth, we start clearing away some of these inner blocks. That we, again, it's not becoming perfect or you know, becoming like a, you know, I don't know, some enlightened being or something like that. It's not about that. It's every little step we take to get rid of some deconditioning that's causing damage means that next day and the rest of that week and the rest of that year and the rest of our life, we're causing less damage in the world, which creates space for creating more success. Um, what I see with my clients and with myself in my journey is that we don't know what's on the other side. Yeah. So we're, we're actually just afraid of the unknown. So even if you look at an organization is the same it has the same issues and the same the the same structures as a person. So when a when an individual goes through their own personal growth and transformation, um, you could apply the same techniques and the same philosophies to an organization going through its change initiative or its transformation. So it's always about fear of the unknown. Okay. And 
I, I believe that's what kind of brings the resistance in is that people just don't know what's on the other side. They don't know how, well, if I drop this behavior, even though I know it's bad for me, like a smoker, they yeah. know that smoking's bad, but they continue to do it because they don't know any other way. Well, how am I going to, you know, a lot of times people pick up a cigarette because they're in a stressful situation or they need just to get out of the office and have a break, but they don't know, well, what am I going to do if I don't smoke a cigarette? Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it's difficult. Like when I when I stopped, you have all that extra time, and what are you going to do with all that time? It's scary. <laughs> it's scary because I got too much time now. Like, what I, am I going to do with my hands? What yeah, am I going to do? Yeah. With my, what am I going to do? Because I was having conversations with people um, smoking outside of the building. Yeah. You know, now I have to go for a walk by myself. What's that like? I have no idea. But. <laughs> You know, we, we come up with all these reasons and those reasons actually create the resistance because we just don't know what's on the other side. So it's a fear of the unknown. I think so. I, I had a client this morning who was actually crying because her life was so amazing. Wow. So if it's scary for a person to explore or to have to deal with the unknown, I mean, when you were describing it, what I was thinking was it's I don't. I feel like people want the outcome, but the work they have to go through to get to the outcome is the scary part. And to me, that would be the same whether it's an individual or a company. Yes. Um, when when an organization says they're having an, a transformation or an agile initiative is coming, the first thing that people do is they're afraid of their their position. What are we going to do? How is it going to How is it going to turn out? Will it be successful? Right. What it, yeah. What's going to happen to me? Oh, we're working in a, a different way. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just coming back to the, the real situation, people are have a project they want to be successful or they're an agile transformation and they want that to be successful or some other change initiative. Well, the reality is the core of when there's change is it's actually not so much about the structures, the process and so on. It's actually about when we're talking about an organization changing or a team changing, that actually happens when the people change, right? And every, there's a famous saying like, well, you know, you can't change other people, you can only change yourself. So the only way we can actually lead change in organizations in a way that will last is to look at ourselves, is to change ourselves and how we're showing up. And through that influence and inspire others. That's why you know, very automatically, we go direct, very directly from you want to have a great team, you want to have a great organization, we'll start with yourself. Because that's actually the place which when we start showing up in these new ways of working, then we already have these new ways of working. There's no transformation program to create. If we just start showing up in more collaborative ways, ways that have trust, psychological safety, where people are valued as human beings, sort of the, you know, the, the preconditions for high performance, we just start showing up in those ways because we've cleaned up our, you know, our behavioral bad habits, if you want to call it that. Okay. And it just starts happening, right? It, it, people start saying, oh, wow, that's amazing where you're showing up. I want to show up like that too. And then it creates this place of people deciding together that they want to show up differently. They want to show up in a, in a way. And that's where real, real transformation comes from. It doesn't come from this, like, structure, make work program. We often often create in our organizations. People start to think, well, if I'm self-reflective, that's going to be bad and that's really difficult and hard. 
it may be uncomfortable, but it's not difficult and hard. It's actually really easy. It just requires choice and desire. I can see where there would be difficulty in getting started with it, you know, like kind of tearing off the Band-Aid. Once you start to stare at it and figure it out, then then that process becomes a little bit easier. But maybe maybe that's a, a good way to get into the book. Can you explain what the book is designed to help people do? Yeah, so, uh, so I, I've been trained as a scientist, and the book is really like a scientific exploration of emotions. It's not about us telling you how emotions work so much as you discovering for yourself or the reader discovering for themselves. How does their emotional system work? And the way we do that is we take people on a guided journey where we get to have people to think of experiences inside their own mind, their own being, their own emotional system for how they're actually experiencing reality. So it's a way to help people explain to them what reality is through their own experiences so that people can become their own scientist in a way to come up with their own understanding of how their emotions work. So it's not about telling people so much as having people take people on a journey of self-discovery. I mean, because emotion, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but emotions are such an important topic. They, they govern all aspects of our lives. Yet the conventional wisdom we have around it is kind of like, is pretty light. It's pretty, pretty weak sauce, if you can call it that. And so we're giving people like an effect, taking people on a journey so they can discover for themselves what emotions really are, how do they actually work, and what to do when we're stuck in the ones that are, aren't so pleasant so that we can get into a resource state. Because everyone wants to have success. In order to have success, we need to be in a resourceful state. Negative emotions take us out of a resourceful state into an unproductive, damaging state. So it's about how to become aware when we're entering those unproductive, damaging emotional states and recover ourselves so we can become operational, productive, whether it's at work, with our family, with our kids, in any aspect of our life where we want to be successful. And super simple. So, yeah, we're not talking about going into the story. We're not go we're not talking about the the original wounding that the emotion is has, yeah. has created. Yeah, it's not about like like please lie on a sofa for like you know like like ten years, ten years, <laughs> and you know and, you know explain you know about your childhood. Like we're not talking about that. That's mm -hmm. like great. Like that's like that. I mean, you can do that. I don't know what the level people make make their own assessment of the level of effectiveness of that where we're actually giving people within like a few hours of investment a way to suddenly unlock great success in, 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 uh, in their lives. And Audrey keeps on saying, whenever we've you know, been away from the book and reviewing it, um, she's been like, what? who wrote this book? This is amazing. Like, oh my gosh. Well, I, all right. So I want to I wanna ask you a question about this. And um, I think it's amazing too. And I apologize if you hear banging in the background. My neighbor seems to be hammering a lot of stuff into their wall right now. Um, in the book, one of the one of the first notes I made, you talk about repressed memory, and I think most people are familiar with the idea of a repressed a repressed memory, and how that could impact something that's happening to somebody currently. But I was wondering if you could comment on the idea of emotions not having time, and then if there's a way to explain that from the perspective of a company. Yeah, so let's start with the individual. Uh, you're actually getting to sort of the central teaching, which, again, we take people on an experiential journey to discover that truth for themselves, because it's such a, such, that truth has such vast implications. So I'll just state it again. It's that our emotional system can't tell time. Like rational as human beings, we can intellectually think about things and we can tell this is the past, this is the present, this is the future. Like we know what time is, right, as human beings. But it turns out our emotional system can't actually tell time. And that one insight, that one revelation 
has an extraordinary impact on us perceiving reality in a completely different way. That one insight shifts our entire reality system to discover that everything we've been living our entire lives thinking what reality is, it's actually something a bit different. And to tie that into like, you know, people talk about taking responsibility for our lives, responsibility process, talking to the Agile community. We talk about that in our Cal one about taking responsibility for our behaviors and what's happening with them. So that's what I see at, at an individual level. At an organizational level, it's kind of like, we, I call it like listening to the system. Like what is the shared dream of an organizational system? Is, is it ready to look at the truth of what's really happening in the organization? And that's kind of what we're, we're talking about. Um, and this is like actually a key challenge in agile transformation programs or digital ones or you know pick whatever flavor you want is that is our people who are in leadership in management positions are they ready to actually look at the truth of what's happening in their organization and you know it should be seemed like well, well of course why wouldn't they well the truth is human beings it's difficult for us to look at the challenge areas right often when we look at the truth of what's happening in organizations we see disengagement we see challenges we see low productivity, we see all these things if we look at the real data. And so because as human beings, we're very, uh, we actually, I'm actually very harsh critics for ourselves. It makes it very difficult for us to actually look at what's happening objectively. It's almost like we have this myth of objective data-based approach, but the truth of the matter is when things are kind of like sensitive or kind of hurt emotionally, we don't want to go look at them as an organizational system. And organizational systems that choose to look at the truth of what's happening inside of themselves, just as each human looks inside of ourselves to the truth of what's happening with their emotions. When we do either of those processes, we unlock the blocks. We clear, we move through the blocks and unlock the road towards success and, and, and achieving more in our personal life or as an organization. So you're talking about a more mindful organization then? Is that uh, fair to say? Yeah, you could say mindful. I, I like I. Uh, it's it, that that's kind of gonna be a fluffy bunny word. I'm just talking about honest. Okay. Like just, I mean, I, I'm just talking about basic honesty of standing in the truth of what's really happening. It turns out that's really, really challenging. I mean, we talk yeah. about radical candor, right? We're just talking about let's be really honest about what's happening here, and let's be honest as human beings. Where are we psychologically blocked from just looking at the truth of what's happening in ourselves? or in our organizational systems. So how do you reconcile the fact that, like you, when you were just talking about organizations, some of them may not be ready for this, but how do yeah. you reconcile that with the fact that everybody and their brothers saying them, no, you gotta go with the Agile, man. You gotta run down and get a box of that Agile because everybody's gonna eat, you know, drink your milkshake. They might not be ready. So, well, no, well, just, let's look at what's going on. I mean, people telling them that, you know, are people going to drink their milkshake? What's that? Is that going to increase their psychological safety or put them into fear? Fear. It's all about the fear. <laughs> so this is where there's a big misunderstanding that creating a sense of urgency, creating fear is somehow useful. It's not. It's extremely damaging. People need psychological safety. Instead, there's an alternate approach that says, well, look, you know, you know, are we ready to look at the truth of what's going on in the general industry in terms of what's happening inside the organization? This is what we teach to in, in, in the Cal One that we've created. This sort of is, is my own teachings of how to create rapid shifts towards high performance in organizational systems, how to 
actually get cut through all resistance, actually teach people how to eliminate all resistance around them. It's extraordinary, mind-blowing for people. But part of that, and we're getting to that, like this, this one aspect of cutting through resistance, is that we actually just respect people. It's like Agile is about people. Like, what if we just respect managers and let them choose what they want for their organization? Instead of trying to push them towards Agile, instead of trying to put them in fear so they choose Agile, and just say, hey, look, what do you want? It's, you know, you're in charge of this organization. What is it that you want to do here? Do you desire this organization to grow and become vibrant and, and very capable in the marketplace? Do you want to create a place where people are engaged and highly productive? Is that what you desire? Or like, or, or like what, is, what is it you wish? Do you even want to talk about this now? If you don't want to talk about it, okay, great. Conversation's over. That's where I see sort of the scrum masters, agile coaches. There's this fundamental violation of organizations and people where we push our help. We don't ask yeah. for permission, right? And if, if every project manager, agile coach, scrum master just started saying, hey, do you want to talk about this now? Are you interested in talking about this? Okay, great. Well, what's important for you? And start listening instead of telling, evangelizing, and doing all that stuff which is actually not, was actually pushed, it's not actually agile itself. And so if we have these just two basic shifts towards asking for permission and listening to people about what they want and helping them get what they want, we're off to the races. Agile failure rates now go to zero and we start having incredible success. And some companies want to grow right now and some companies may be ready to grow in six months and some companies may not be ready to grow. And the, you know whatever happens, happens with those companies. Like organizational survival is optional. Right. And it's the choice of the people who are in power, the management of organizations, what they choose for their organization, either their team, their department, their, you know, all of IT, if it's a CIO or the CEO. It's really up to them what they choose for the organization. It's not up to us to tell them that. It's, it's their choice. I think the coaches and the people in charge of an agile initiative, when when they're clear and they're really listening to the system. And I mean emotionally clear, because when you're emotionally clear, then you're not running and you're not focusing on your fear. You're not um, pushing your agenda on anyone. Yeah. You're just like, oh, what do they want? Let me, let me check it out here. Right? right. Whereas most of us, you know, we're so attached to this idea. Oh, I, I, you know, this dream we have in our hearts. I need to help create a place where people want to work. There's so much oppression here. Those guys are doing it. We start getting the judgment and blame and all this stuff, which are actually negative emotions. And when we clear the, all the judgment, all the blame. We just see the leaders as human beings. Uh, it turns out leaders and managers are human beings too. I think Olaf Leewitz noted this a few years ago. Re starting revelation for people in the Agile community, I know. But managers are people too. Um, that we start treating them as, as seeing them as valuable human beings and supporting them with whatever they want to accomplish with their organization because they have the power. Suddenly, like a lot of stuff just gets unlocked and we actually have to do a lot of inner growth clearing work of our emotional char charges with that and our emotional challenges with, oh my gosh, you know, respecting people in hierarchy? Well, it turns out if you want to work with the people in hierarchy, you have to respect them. So if you've got anger against hierarchy, you've got anger against managers or bosses, how can you possibly help them? And it's like, ooh, how do I, get, how do I clear that? Well, geez, that's what the book is for. That's what emotional science is for, to clear away these emotional blocks that we have inside of ourselves. So that we stop second, second guessing each other all the time? Because that's, I mean, when you were just describing that, I'm thinking, well, the people that aren't management think management are idiots, and the people that are management think the people who aren't management aren't doing enough work. Right. There's a lot of conflict, and yeah. there's a lot of resistance. And when you stop 
your own self and look inside, you'll start to discover that there's emotional charges from, from your past that are actually influencing how you're showing up in that moment at work. Yeah. I, I, I sort of say this, it's, it's, it's a bit of a joke and it's also entirely true. It's like 90% of the value for people who come to our certified agile leadership training, 90% of the value comes from helping people understand they're causing damage and see, help them see how they're causing damage and see how to stop causing damage and create a space for some healthier behavior and give them a way to shift out of unhealthy behavior into healthy behaviors. That's like 90% of the value. Because if we just stop causing damage, it creates so much more space for good outcomes. So the basic idea is that if people at an individual level, they, they pick up the book, they go through, they start to work on developing these abilities, that they'll be able to arrive more, more able to you know, show up more present or whatever, however you want to characterize it at work and really be there for each other. And that that will help the organization unlock its potential. Is that? Yeah. So you've heard of theory X, theory Y. Oh yeah. I, yeah, so I struggle with theory X and theory Y, but let's go. No, every day. struggles are over. Yeah, they're over. You have a ch <laughs> every day, every minute, every hour, you have a choice whether you're showing up as theory X or theory Y. Okay, so th this is what I wanted to ask you. So, so you have I, a choice. Uh, okay, <laughs> I, I'm willing to acknowledge that I have a choice. I'm yeah. willing to acknowledge that it's possible for me to show up and not be sarcastic or you know judgy or whatever. But I also know that I have 48 years of muscle memory that have finally honed those abilities. And that even though I've tried to be theory Y, every time I've been like, nope, going to be theory Y, I have to have the, this is why we come to work on time conversation with somebody. And I'm dragged, you know, it's like that line from the Godfather. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in or I pull myself back in, whatever it is. How do I break the habits? It's so easy that you, you, we want to show up in a different way and then we're triggered. Yeah. Because our body is holding on to these emotions. So basically... Reading the book Emotional Science might take a couple hours. There's a there's a process or a exercise in the book that only takes 10 minutes. And that I've fine-tuned and developed this technique over the years, using it on myself and my clients. So we don't have to spend a lot of time and a lot of uh, thinking and tools and exercises. This is just 10 minutes of clearing a charge where there's a bunch of anger inside of you or a bunch of fear inside of your body that you can actually physically feel it in your body. Like even now, if you think about that conversation about showing up on time, like what happens in your body? Yeah, it all tenses up. All the tension in my shoulders and my neck. I can feel yeah. it. You immediately become theory X. Yeah. So when that happens, now you now you'll know you'll know to to identify the symptom, which is your body is tightening up. You know you're getting really angry, and all you need to do is breathe into that physical sensation in your body within ten minutes. It will release out of your muscle tissue, out of your muscle memory, and it will start a neurotransmitter shift to shift your behavior without yeah. doing anything else. Yeah. So, so we have in the book to help people with this. We don't just get tell people, oh, this is how your emotions work. Good luck with it. Uh -huh. Ha ha. No. <laughs> no. no there's, just there's be the, better. 
The later yeah, parts yeah. of the book are what's called the emotional freedom system, where we give people two different, two very different approaches to hack their brains, hack their minds, hack their neurotransmitters, rewire unconscious programs and behaviors. Fast. Very fast. One way is the analytical way where people can orient themselves around what's happening in the situation right now. And through that process and that awareness, start shifting the behavior pattern. That's the analytical one. The one Audrey was talking about, this 10-minute practice of, of, of physically sensing in, that's what we call get clear, which is an emotion or energetic-based practice. So we have two different things in the emotional freedom system to support people from shifting out. So depending on what's going on, what the context is, you may use one, you may use both, but they're both very fast ways to diagnose um, when we're in a place where we're causing emotional harm and how to recover very quickly. So can I ask a question about a clarifying question about these two things? I just want to make sure I have them straight. And if I get this wrong, I'm going to cut it out of the interview. So, um, from the analytical side of it, that's one thing that I, I know I do. Like I can catch myself now and say, okay, I'm reacting this way. I don't have to react that way. What's actually going on? Kind of talk myself down off the ledge. Is that? Yeah, uh -huh. it's more, more, it's more into the reality of what's happening in your body. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, oh yeah. I have a physical sensation in my body. Let me okay. see How angry. Am I really? And just being really honest to say, oh, I'm really angry. I'm like one to 10. I'm a. I'm at 10 right now. I want to like rip someone's head off, right? Just be really honest and say, okay, well, wait a second. Is my life in danger right now? Um, no. Like, am I about to die? No. So, oh, I must have an emotional hijack going. There's actually just a memory from the past showing up right now. It's like, oh, okay. So I'm, let me just notice. Yes, I'm totally safe right now. I'm experiencing a memory from the past that's causing this emotional reaction. It's like, oh, okay. So I'm safe right now. And immediately that awareness will start to calm your nervous system down. Okay. And then there are additional steps to say, well, is acting from this emotionally angry place, what will that do in my life? Oh, I'll cause damage if I act from this place. Okay. What are my options? Okay. Let me take a breath. Okay. Well, where am I now? Can I, do I have time to do the get clear process to clear this? Um, can I put you know, it away? Can I put it away? Can I, can I, can I, can I just check out this meeting right now to let the person know I'm really angry and that I want to work on this with them, but I'm not in a state where I can be productive and I'll get back to them. You know, can I give myself a little time out here? Is that what's happened? Can I just close my eyes and breathe and let the rest of the meeting go on? And hopefully, you know, people will just continue meeting without me. Like what do I have to exit the meeting or the, the, place I'm in to... or can you bookmark it for yeah. the for later on in the day yeah. and work with it then yeah so I want to ask you both a question about this because this is something that happens to me a lot um yeah. I will be let's say I don't know somewhere and something goes wrong and I'm like ah oh, that's it you know I've, you know, I've got to get into Twitter and just fire off some anger and and my wife will be like is that really going to help no it's not going to help anything, but I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, does that right. still happen to you guys or have you like totally worked through that? Well, to be honest with you, that's an addiction. Okay. We're addicted to the drama. Yeah. We're addicted to blaming other people. Yeah. We're addicted to the... Discharging pain yeah. by putting it on others. Yes. And that's how we create negativity and damage in the world, right? That's right. what I'm saying. We stop that behavior like, Wow suddenly we'll stop causing damage in the world. Like if, imagine if everyone cut the damage quotient by a factor of two. 
But the discharge still has to happen somehow. Whoa. Doesn't it? Well, you take responsibility for your own discharge instead of... If well, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it has to discharge out other people, but you still have to have some way of... Yeah. Yes. That's getting rid of the static electricity. It's got to go somewhere. The get clear technique does yeah. that for yeah. you instantaneously okay. Okay. on your own. So you're not discharging it out and hurting anybody yeah. else. You're taking responsibility and cleaning up yourself. Right. Okay. Putting your big boy pants. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, okay. And so the other, the more physical side of it that you were talking about, not the analytical version, is that something that would be akin to like, like laughter yoga or the like extended hugs where it causes some, some chemical change in your body that, that helps with that? Well, it's a guided meditation. We call it that. That's probably the most accurate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like after yoga and all of this other stuff, that's kind of, it's kind of like a, a very soft way of working with, with your emotions and your, and changing your state. Okay. What I'm talking about here, um, and you'll read about it is that you actually increase the, the intensity of the sensation in your body. So this is not for the faint of heart. Okay. This is this is actually a process that what you're doing is is kind of like you're facing your demon straight on and 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 saying okay you're there have your voice i you know i i feel you and i'm just going to experience what this is in my body for a full 10 minutes by 7 minutes it starts to subside on its own these repressed charges that are sitting in the body are only there because we've been shoving them under the rug Our over whole life. and over and over again, not, yeah. not dealing with yeah. them. So the good news is, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a very advanced teaching uh, you may have heard it. It's called no pain, no gain. Have you heard that one? I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of it. The good news is on the other side of it. We, we want to be in this place where we don't have pain, right? where the pain is gone from our system. It turns out, and this is the trick, the only way to get rid of the pain is to go through the pain and get to the other side. Sort of like the calm after the storm. When we keep on avoiding the, the conflict, avoiding the pain, all we do is we propagate it, right? So the thing is, it's like, well, you know, let's say you keep on stepping on, um, let's say there's a tack on the floor in your, your living room. You keep on stepping on it. You say, oh, I'll just avoid it. I'll just avoid it. And you keep on stepping on it again and again, you know, for your whole life. We're just saying, well, look, just, just take some time, pick up the tack and get it out of your living room so you stop stepping on it again and again and again. Yeah, it'll take some time, like a little tiny bit of time, a little tiny bit of effort. It'll be uncomfortable, but you won't have this recurring problem for the rest of your life. What we're talking about is that there's things laying in your subconscious that are actually creating the realities that are in front of you and how you respond to them. And so we we're giving you a tool to take what's in your subconscious and bring it to your conscious awareness, which actually diffuses it. And then it no longer has any kind of power or hold on you in your behavior, in your life, in your reality. That's what we call the emotion freedom, emotional freedom system. It's because it's about giving people emotional freedom in a very practical step-by-step -step thing that can be applied either in advance 
as a daily practice to get clear and get to a resourceful place to show up as that theory why worker every day or on a on an as needed basis when something comes up. Like this is something that we both use like like regularly. We just like, gave it a fancy name yeah. because yeah. we had to name it thing. Yeah. But but yeah, but really, it's just like this is a common sense practice. Like every time something comes up, and I start getting like an unresourced state, mad, angry, frustrated, jealous, whatever it is, I just stop and I go like, "Oh, what's going on here?" Well, so that's that's the thing that I wanted to to ask you both about. It's not that a lot of times when I experience people who have kind of worked, learned how to develop tools to work through some of this stuff, they talk about it like, "Oh, just let it go. You know, be fine. Whatever." It's like, no, no. But it's not that you don't get angry. It's not that you don't get frustrated. It's not that these things don't happen to you. They still do, but you've got a way of coaching yourself through them. Exactly. And the, the key is coaching yourself through them. We can't, you know, I'm a coach. I have a coach, but we, my coach is not available 24-7. Right. And, and shouldn't be. There, there's a there's a moment in time where you make a choice about taking responsibility how you want to show up in your life, and then what are the tools? What can help you through that moment to moment? Because life is happening moment to moment. So, so this is like what we're giving here, what we've created here, which is I mean, this is where it gets you know beyond extraordinary, right? It's yeah. a way for people to take ownership of their life in a very deep and powerful way. And it's a choice, right? It gives people a place of choice to create more of the life they want. Uh, and, and what's really amazing is that what we're doing, we're putting it instead of being in like, oh, I need to get a coach. I need to go see a, a therapist. I need, you know, I need, you know, someone to look after me, like, to help me. Yeah, I need, yeah, I, 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 yeah. You know, like we're like, we'll just, you know, we're giving people the way to develop their own personal leadership in like a very easy applicable way yeah and so i just i want to comment on this for the folks who are listening because i i mean i'm only halfway through the book but it is a very simple thing and at the same time it, it's so simple that i got to stuff and i was like ah damn it like there's just no way i can't do this now because it's <laughs> it's the same thing as when i read christopher avery's book it's like i read that i'm like you know what god now i gotta be responsible for crap um what doing this is the step beyond we're giving you how to become responsible <laughs> you're a big fan of chris Avery's work and yeah. you believe in your responsibility you want to stop blaming this is the how so when it's people incredible. when people start to to get this like let's say that i i work through all this i'm surrounded by people that have that haven't done this work yet mm -hmm. um how do you help them begin to transform their organization because it starts with them but how, how does it spread? Well, I'll give you some examples. Um, what we're teaching in the book is very similar to what we teach in our, our leadership training, Cal 1, Cal 2, and other, other things we do. And what we see is when people start showing up in amazing ways, people are going to like, people, they become much more popular. People want to know how do they do it. They'll say to you, like, let's say you make the shift inside of yourself. Wait, Dave, like, I noticed you're so much more calm now. Like, I noticed you're so much more... Like you're, you're contributing ideas and you're so much more resourceful and like, and they'll notice things about you and say, how did you do it? You say, oh, I read this book, you know, you want the name? And they'll say, yeah. And then you give them the name and they'll, they'll go do it or not do it. Right. But people will self-select into making change. That's how we get, um, you know, people choosing to do this because there's no other way, right? We, you know, we can only invite people 
and and put things out there for people who want to uh, want to put the work in to get the results. If if you think about how do you show up with an executive, do you have um, do you have perceptions about the executive? Were there negative emotions, negative feelings coming up? He feels uncomfortable, anger, right? They can feel that. And when you show up to that same meeting completely clear, they feel that as well, too. Yeah. And now there's um, there's immediate psychological safety because there's there's a, a sense or feeling that they get from you or you get from another person. There's leaders around you in your life where you're naturally attracted to that person. And that person is actually caring and supportive and, and is a mentor and, and wants to see good in your life. That person, that leader is very clear emotionally that they can, they can bring out the brilliance in you. And when you become that thing, you attract people to you and help them become brilliant and help them achieve success very easily. And it's not just for like, I mean, this is again, this book is for leaders but, and it's also for everyone. So whether you want to be a better team member, you want to be a better life partner with someone, you want to be a better parent, it's, it's, it's for everybody who wants to show up as a leader and get more of what they want from their life. Well, and the, the thing that you, you both just touched on that kind of struck me was it's not just, I mean, going through the book, I can see where somebody would do that from a very sort of self-focused way, but the way you just described it, it's it's so that you can be for others. You can be more for others once you get there. Yeah. And help them rise to it too. Put oxygen mask on yourself first. Yeah. That's a really good, yeah, that's great. All right. Um, so the book comes out officially tomorrow on July 4th. Yeah, it could be, to, like, we're, like, it's a moving target. We're, we're hoping I'm looking it. at it on Amazon. It says July 4th. <laughs> okay. It turns out publishing a book on multiple platforms simultaneously is um, more complex than I thought. And, and quite frankly, you know, I'm interested in getting the book out, not, not the complexity. So it should be out today, tomorrow. There or, was some the kind of day. weird marketing thing that people wanted to do where we were going to pre have the book pre pre-sales and, and build up all these orders. And we said, no, forget it. People yeah. just want this book. I pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it on crazy. Amazon. Um, well, all right. So they can go to Amazon to get it. Um, yeah. Or iBooks on, on their, I'm Alexa, their and this is an Amazon Echo Dot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, this is the part where I need to take like a second before I just unleash at the Alexa. Um, okay, so if people want to find out more about the work that the two of you are doing, what is the best way for them to, to get in touch with you? The best way uh, is to go to our website, emotionalscience.com. Okay. The name of the book, emotionalscience.com. All right. And from there, they'll be able to get a link to where they can buy the book. There'll be a contact us link. Um, There's free resources yeah, for, for the book. Yeah. The, the get clear exercise yeah. and then the PDF for yeah. a, to yeah. create a workbook. Yeah, because it's a it's a working book, we actually have a free download people can get so they, they can do, write, do all the written exercises without writing in your book. Oh, good. Okay. I'll have to go download that then. All right. Well, thank you very much for doing this. So what about the Twitter? They can follow you both on the Twitter? Uh, at, at Michael Sahota's good or 
or uh, you know LinkedIn if they want to have more information to connect with me on LinkedIn or okay. Twitter. And Audrey, um, you're not on the Twitter. No, I'm good not for on, you. Good for you. I'm not on the Facebook <laughs> yeah, either. Yeah. Good for you. That's <laughs> very kidding. healthy. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Well, I don't know if it's a health thing or not, but um, I wanted to focus more on being present yeah. in my life instead yeah. of being on. Yeah. So I, 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 I take it. I take the hit for the team doing that. <laughs> and then I'm like, did you Twitter? Did you, <laughs> Go on your Facebook and send a message. Show me some more cats on the internet. All right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Well, thank you both for doing this, and thank you for writing the book. And I would encourage everybody to pick it up. So I, I'm halfway through it, and it's already having a massive impact on me. And I appreciate you taking time out of your day for this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, it was great talking to both of you. Mm-hmm.